Yep, there, there I am. Glad you're with us today. This is our biggest crowd since we've been back. We know lots of folks are still at home, and that's good. We want you to be safe. We're all for that. That's wonderful, but we are glad that we have folks in the audience today. You know, it is, as Mike said, it is very odd to, to speak to a crowd that has their masks on. It's just odd in every way, I have to say. There, just a few weeks ago, Barbara and I were at a stoplight that was next to a, gro to a, to a gas station. And there was a cowboy that came out of the gas station. He was wearing a cowboy hat, boots, jeans, spurs he had on the whole thing. And he was wearing a bandana around his face. I thought, he has just robbed that place. And then I remembered, no, he's just in the middle of quarantine, in the middle of COVID is all that's going on. This morning we're talking about go honestly and the importance of being honest. And oh, this is a difficult subject sometimes because we like to say we're honest, but sometimes we're not honest. Maybe none of us are totally honest. And today we're not going to be talking just about honesty among people, but we're talking about honesty with God more than we are about with people. So I've seen some things, many of you have seen those programs on TV or read the stories on the internet about how to know if people may be lying. Have you seen those things? That how do you know? If you go through TSA to go on a flight, they look at you in the eyes and they talk to you. They say, where are you from? Where are you going? And they look at you to see how you'll respond to that. And one of the things is a change in eye movement. Now, if all at once, if you're just looking at the person and now you have an answer and you start looking back and forth with your eyes, they go, uh-oh, we may have a liar here. And so then they'll ask you more questions. So it may be a change in eye movement. And they say that sometimes when people tell a lie, they pull their body inward so they can kind of hide as if you could do that. But they pull their bodies inward. Or maybe sometimes what they do is they'll be talking and then they hide their hands. Try to put them up in their sleeves or something. For whatever reason that is, these are tips and there are lots of them that they say people do when they're lying. So now what you know when you tell a lie is be sure you look straight at the person, keep your hands out and, and have your body wide, right? So then nobody will think you're lying. But no, they watch for all of those things. But here's the thing. We can fool another person sometimes. We might even be able to fool TSA or fool the judge or whoever it is. But God sees right through our lies. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we've done when nobody else was around. He knows. God sees through all of those lies and even through our masks. Let me tell you, the next time we have something like this, I hope we have a word that's easier to say than masks. That's one of the hardest words to say plural in the plural, isn't it? But he sees through it. And sometimes we act like he can't see through things. But God knows our hearts. God knows who we are and, and what we're thinking and what's inside here. He knows if we're sincere or not sincere. He knows whenever we're talking to the teacher if what we're saying is real or made up. When we're talking to our parents or to our spouse or to people about whatever the subject may be. He knows what our hearts are. In Jeremiah 17, 10 the Lord said, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. 
Wow, he says, I search the mind. The Lord knows what you think. He knows what's in the heart. He knows what we've done. And like we've talked about before, that is so if you are in Christ and you are in a good relationship with Christ, there is nothing more comforting than to know that God is with you. Whenever somebody accuses you of lying and you're being sincere and telling the truth, that is a wonderful feeling, isn't it? That God knows. But it's also a scary thing when we're the ones doing the sinning or we're the ones doing the lying, right? Then all at once it becomes kind of a scary thing because God searches the heart and God searches the mind and there are tons of scriptures that say those kinds of things. Now, Jesus gave a parable about two types of people who were praying and he told this parable about extremes most of us probably fall somewhere in between in between but these are the two examples he uses luke 8 18 verses 9 through 14 you'll know this especially if you're in my wednesday night zoom class we talked about it not long ago but it said jesus said to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, rather than the religious Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The moment that any of us start to feel pride, we better stop and think again about what our pride is in. Our pride should not be in our accomplishments, but in God who has given us the ability to do what he has allowed us to do. But sometimes we put on a mask when we come before God. Now, one of those, obviously with the Pharisee here, who is going to say, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like all these other people. I'm not going to talk about my own sin. You see, the Pharisee put down others it appears to justify his own sin. So he's not going to talk about his own sin. He's going to talk about the sin of others. So what we do sometimes, kind of what Mike referred to, we put on this mask. I'm not going to put it all the way on today because it gets all messed up in my glasses and my, my microphone. But you know what I'm talking about? We put on this little happy mask whenever we go to church. And sometimes it's okay to put on a little bit of a mask. I mean, everybody you meet that doesn't know you doesn't need to know about, about your, your infected toe or whatever. We, you know, we get that a little bit. But sometimes I put this on when I pray. Father, thank you that I have been raised in the church. Father, thank you that I have the truth and all of us in this room have the truth. And Father, thank you that we're not like those who are sincerely wrong. Father, thank you that I'm not out burning down buildings. And Father, thank you that I don't have hate. And Father, thank you that I am not a racist. And Father, thank you that, that I get it all right. Father, thank you. And that is sometimes 
Maybe not the way we really say it, but maybe that's what's in our heart. And maybe not all those things, but some of those things. And we see everybody else and how despicable they are. And we forget that the sin that we commit is just as despicable in the eyes of God. You say, well, not really. No, it is. It all costs Jesus his life. Whatever it is, maybe it doesn't have as much harm on children, maybe not as much harm to society here, but I can tell you for what eternity is, it is just as despicable because sin cost Jesus his life. Not his own sin, our sin. So the Pharisee put down others to justify himself. But then you have the tax collector. He is the lowest of the low. The tax collector just puts it all out on the table. Lord, I can't even look up to you, I'm so bad. Lord, I can't even be in your presence, I feel so awful. I'm such a sinner, you know what I've done, I'm terrible, I'm awful. And that's the man who goes home justified before God. And it's so easy, I mean, you know... I'm thankful for what, for, for some of the things I prayed about or I talked about the prayer. I'm thankful that my parents took me to church in a Bible class. I mean, I was, I was born on Tuesday and at church on Sunday. And if they probably would have let me out of the hospital on Wednesday, my mother would have taken me even on Wednesday night the day after. I mean, I'm thankful for that. But I can't have some kind of pride that puts down other people who don't have that. I'm thankful that I was able to go to a university and study the Bible. I'm I'm thankful for that. But I can't put down people who haven't had the same opportunity that I've had. I can't put and say, oh, I'm so much better than you are. I can't do that. Because we're in this all together and anything I have, it all comes from God. It's all from Him. It's not mine, it's His Sometimes we put on this mask and it doesn't even make sense that we're putting it on. Now, before we move on here, I'm going to hang out here for just a moment. There is another thing that happens to some of us because some of you are going, I'm not like that. And you're not. I know you are good people. I know the hearts of people in this congregation. You are good people. But what happens sometimes when that our prayer life is so small? You know, Sometimes what we do is we put on this little happy mask whenever we pray. Some of us right now, are we are, are wrestling back and forth. Is it good for our kids to go back to school or not to go to school? What is best? Should I send my kid to college? Some of you are thinking about this. Am I going to get sick at work? How long is this going to last? Am I going to lose my job? I have a loved one in the hospital and all these things, all these things are going on. And then we put on this mask. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the many blessings you've given us today, and thank you for the food that we're about to eat. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is our prayer life? If even we have that? And so our prayer life is just kind of this ethereal thing up here? And I'm not really as thankful for the food as I ought to be. I'm just saying it because that's what you say. And God is saying, do you not realize who I am? Do you not realize, I know the anxiety that you're dealing with. I know the health issues you're dealing with and your loved ones are dealing with. I know your anxiety about your kids. I know your anxiety about your job. I know those things. Don't hide them. Talk to me about them. Because 
because I'm with you through all of this. Honesty with God protects us. You say, protects us? What are you talking about, protects us? Well, think about 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. The Holy Spirit through Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see what he says? Put all of your anxiety. I've, I've heard a, a, a quote just about two weeks ago on the radio. I was driving, and I, I don't know what the station was, but it was, a, it was a report that had been done about the United States, and it said that the anxiety levels from when they test from time to time across the 50 states was higher in people right now than any time in history that they had tested. There's a lot of anxiety. And the Bible speaks to it. And if Christians don't realize that the Bible speaks to it, who, do, who is going to know that? Cast all of your anxiety on him. Because the devil and our self-doubt want to destroy us and want to take us away. And God says, talk about it. Tell me about it. Let's work through it together. Talk to me about it because I care about you. I care about what you're going through. I want to know how you're feeling. I want you to say. I like your scripture reading today from Matthew. Not from the book of Matthew, but from Matthew. Avery, about Psalm, from Psalm 13. And I want to read it again, but now in context that we're thinking about this. This is maybe, this is a psalmist who is praying in a way that's very powerful. He comes to God and he says, he he's, has enemies, obviously. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Some of you feel this way? You know what I'm saying? You feel a little bit forgotten right now maybe? Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. We're going to stop there for just a second. Do you realize what he's saying here? Have you ever gone to God and said, Lord, I am so frustrated. Turn on the news and it makes me angry. I am so frustrated. My kids are not doing at all what I wanted them to do and not at all what I thought they might do. Lord, where are you? Lord, how could you take this job from me when I just got it? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever thought things like that? not saying God takes jobs from me, but you know what I'm saying, right? You think, Lord, why is this happening? My life is not what I thought it was going to be. I had these big plans, and I, was, and I even told you I was going to dedicate it to you, and now here I am in this spot, and this is not the way I thought it would go. You hear the psalmist? Lord, are you going to forget me forever? Lord, my enemies are going to take me over, and they're going to say, see there? I got a matter of fact, they might even talk bad about God because they've overcome him. See, what, you hear what he's saying? 
And now here's how he ends this prayer slash psalm. But I trust your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises. For he has been good to me. In the midst of feeling like he's on the bottom, he says the Lord has been good to me. This is honest, raw prayer. And hiding my feelings before God is ridiculous. Completely ridiculous because I need to tell the Lord how I feel. You say, well, the God, God already knows how I feel. He does. And that's why it's so silly to hide it, right? But sometimes it's important to talk about. Oh, but sometimes we lie to the Lord and the things we say. Oh, it's not bothering me. I've got faith. You know, I'm fine. You don't need to worry. I tell everybody else, oh, I'm fine. And I tell God I'm fine. And it's kind of like whenever you walk into the kitchen and your your four-year-old, you know, or three-year-old's in the kitchen and they've gotten into the chocolate cake, you know, and they're eating it with their hands. It's all over them. And you walk in and there are crumbs and icing from head to toe. And you say, did you get into the cake? And they go, uh-uh. You know what I'm talking about? That's the way it is when we're before God. We're like the three-year-old, you know. Yeah, no, I haven't been sinning. No, I'm not sad. No, I'm not upset. Yes, you are. We just need to go ahead and say it. Yes, and I hate it, but that's where I'm at. Lord, I hate it that I have this anxiety. I hate it that, I, that, that I'm dealing with these things. Now, sometimes, and, and it, obviously this is a church that believes in counseling. Don't misunderstand me. Those things are important and needed but part of this is also us going to the Lord and just praying and talking to him. Because when I talk to the Lord about how I feel, I reconfirm my faith in him. You see, it's not because the Lord is trying to check in because he doesn't know. It's because there is something powerful that comes whenever I talk to him. And I start telling him how I'm doing I'm reconfirming my faith. Now, don't forget last week's sermon was all about praise of God. And, and honestly, I think that the best way to pray is to spend a lot of time in praise of God and then get to our issue because then we find out our issue is a lot smaller than what we thought it was in the beginning. But tell God how we feel or at least do this. At least confirm to him that I want to trust. And you're saying, what do you mean by that? Some of us may not be trusting God very much, and it would be a lie to tell God we are trusting him. So we say to God, Lord, I do trust you a little bit, but I really want to trust you more. You remember that man, I've talked about it so many times, you remember the beggar that saw Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, please help my unbelief. I have prayed that prayer five million times. Lord, I trust you. Please help me to trust you more than I do right now. Because I am weak. I am fragile. I am falling through the floor. Lord, please help me more than where I am right now. And so that's hard. What would God think? You know, what, how, how would that go? Well, I want you to know this. God already knows what I'm hiding. So he can take it. Okay? It's not like it's going to be, you know, whenever you go in and tell your mother, you know, you know, I just broke your vase, and she goes, oh. 
he already knows it. So there is nothing you're hiding from God that he hasn't already figured out. And so it's not like, oh, I can't believe this. You have let the family down. You might get that from your mother or dad or spouse, but you're not going to get it from God because he is already fully aware. I ran across a quote this past week, and I've, I've kind of massaged the quote just a little bit, but it's like one of these things that I don't want to ever forget for the rest of my life. I'm about to show it to you, but it may not be the same to you, but I want you to hear this. Jesus wants you to know that he would rather die than let you go. Do you hear those words? Lord, I, I'm just not good enough. He says, listen, I did die because I don't want you to go. Well, Lord, there are all these other things. I love you so much, I am willing to die, and I did die. Jesus would rather die than let us go. If that doesn't just hit you in the heart, I don't know what does. Whenever it's not, This is not just an, a conversation of something theoretical. You know how much I love you. You know that I would, take, I, would, I, would, I would take a bullet for you. You know you've said that kind of thing to someone you love before. You know what I would do for you. I would stay up with you late at night if you were sick. You know. No, Jesus says, I would die and I did die because I love you that much. This ought to be something that makes me think, I've, I've got to be with the Lord. I've got to share with Him. I've got to create and enhance that relationship. There's a, I read another article this past week someone shared with me with that statement that you hear a lot these days, come as you are. You'll see it on, on church signs sometimes, come, come as you are. And sometimes when those started going up probably 20 years ago, people would say, you know, what does that mean? And they're going to have people going to church in shorts and flip-flops, or, you know, what does that mean? Well, they might. They might, and I'll be happy for people just be here, whatever, whatever you're wearing that's not distracting, right? And so they might, but that's not what it's about. It's not about clothing. And if your faith is about clothing, you don't understand faith. It's about people coming who have all kinds of issues, who are dealing with lust, and dealing with pride, and dealing with hate, and dealing with prejudice, and dealing with bad self-esteem, and dealing with anxiety, and dealing with, with a desire to kill themselves. I want you to understand that the phrase, come as you are, when it's on a church sign or in a song like we sing, is not just for the visitors, okay? It's for the members. Come as you are. With all of your baggage, come as you are. But as I read this article, I had a really great line in it that, that this makes sense and maybe explains it to people. It said, come as you are and be restored. 
be restored to be like Jesus, to be restored in the way that he has created us to be. Not to stay in our sin, but to, but to be forgiven of our sin. Not to stay where we are, but instead to be washed and to be justified by Jesus so that we can grow in all of those things. That's powerful, isn't it? Because he didn't create me and didn't die for me just because he wants me to stay a mess. He, cre he created me and loved me even though I am a mess. And he wants me to improve. Sometimes we can take these huge, giant steps of improvement and being more like Christ. And sometimes we'll say, after a person's been baptized for six months, we'll say, wow, that guy could preach. Or wow, that woman, she is on fire doing so much for the Lord. And we talk about how incredible someone is. And then we have other folks, it's baby step, baby step, baby step. And five or ten years later, we may not even realize they have moved, but they are moving. Come as you are and be restored. Become what God intended us to be. So here's my question for us today. Will I be honest with God? He was brutally honest with us. Brutally honest. He said... You have a sin issue. And those sins are going to separate you from me forever. Those sins are the difference between heaven, that's wonderful, and hell, that's destruction and, and, and torment. And he said, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son. And his son, Jesus, said, I love you so much that I, don't, I would die so that you don't get away. I want you to keep working with me. You remember, he says, for those who believe and are baptized, they'll be saved. And he says that, that our sins will be forgiven, that we'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not like one day... You're baptized and all at once you're perfect. Now you keep sinning and grace keeps coming to us and we keep working on it and God keeps giving it and we just keep trying to get better than what we were before. And so he says, he wants us to be with us. This morning, we want you to be right with God. We want to be right with God. And we have every week, you can, you can, there's a place on our, on our web page where you can write in prayer requests or you can send it to elders at mcoc.org. Elders at mcoc.org and share a prayer request. Tell us if it's private or if it's public. If you want to be baptized, we will baptize you into Christ today. Just come talk to me when this is, is over or come at the end. Because we want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to be with God. Let's pray this morning as we end. Dear God, we praise you. Father, you are majestic. You are the one who has given us hope. Father, you have created this earth. You have created the most beautiful sunsets we have ever seen. You've created the most beautiful waterfalls we've ever seen. You've created, Father the sun and the moon and the planets. You've created everything. Father, you are God and you are good. 
Father, thank you that you've given us a church home. Father, thank you you've given us technology so that we can still preach and worship in a pandemic. Father, thank you that you've given us, given us a way that even some of us can worship today together. Thank you. Father, we do, for those of us who have been blessed to know you for a long time, we thank you for that. We realize that is a gift and a blessing. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you if, if we had parents that taught us about Jesus. We thank you for them. But Father, we realize you gave us those parents and that you have given us every good thing that we have. This morning we struggle, Father. Some of us struggle with fear. We're afraid. We don't know what the future holds for our nation. We struggle with fear because we don't know what it holds for our jobs or for our health. And we're afraid. Father, some of us are really frustrated because things are not going the way we had intended. We have been disappointed by a spouse, by our children, or even by our parents. Some of us, Father, are hurting because we have lost loved ones. And the pain is there and we sometimes wonder why. Father, some of us are dealing with pride and with lust and pornography and dealing with, with hatred for, for other people maybe who have done us wrong in our family or in business or because they are a different, different skin tone than we are. But Father, whatever those things are, we bring them to you today to say we believe that Jesus washed, washes away our sins. And Father, we believe that we will see you someday. Father, thank you for taking away our sins. And thank you for giving us the spirit to walk along with us as we get better than we are today. In Jesus' name, amen.